You're listening to the DGD Podcast. Sponsored by La Touraine. Here's your hosts, Robert Reynolds and Juan Daniels. Welcome back to the DGD Podcast. As always, the NCDGD himself, Robert Reynolds, and Mr. Juan Daniels. Juan, how are you doing today, my man? Awesome, man. Awesome, awesome, awesome. It's Friday. Can't complain. That it is, man. It is. Look, I'm telling you right now, it's all different kinds of Fridays, right? Over on the Patreon, patreon, patreon.com forward slash DGD podcast. It is free for all Friday. Uh, Just posted some intel for y'all folks out there uh, on a kid in uh, 2023 kid over here. Local to me, uh, Barry Tate. I'm going to give a shout out there. Uh, Go do yourself a favor and check that out. Also some good stuff. Uh, for some kids local to the North Carolina area over there on the Patreon. Uh, while we're at it, though, Juan, um, also feel free to join the Discord, discord.com slash invite forward slash Bones Brigade. Uh, building that up and having fun doing so in the process. With that being said, also sponsored, the show, sponsored by Lots of Rain. Use code DGD at checkout. Get 10% off your purchase site-wide. Juan, today is the day we reminisce on the t- on this past season. We're going to do some superlatives, guys. We're going back to high school, and we're going to yeah. do some superlatives. Uh, look, the brigade, I need y'all active. I need more folks in here. Share this out. Get this out so we can have some fun with the superlatives. Uh, also, guys, before we start the superlatives, do keep in mind that the DGD Podcast is now a YouTube partner. Uh, feel free to... Uh, support the show, super chat, super stickers are fun too. Um, but let's go ahead and get started on the superlatives one. We're going to pop this overlay up here for y'all to see. Here are the categories, and we'll probably keep this up uh, so people in the chat uh, can we can read comments as well. So have fun with this, guys. All right. So for those listening, uh, the categories are best all around. Most likely to succeed. New kid on the block. Biggest drama king. Class clown. I think that's going to be fun, by the way. (laughs) Cutest couple. You'll understand why that's in there. Uh, Life of the party. And teacher's pet. With that being said, Juan, I'm going to let you start here. Best all around. Who is it? Are you, are, so are, are we looking for individual player, coach? Is it just? Oh, so the criteria for this, the criteria for the superlatives, all of college football. I would, I, if you can do a program, do a program. But if it needs to be specific to a player or whatever, call it out and we'll listen to the superlative logic. So this is in, this covers the entirety of college football. So best all around. I mean, that's, that's hands down is going to be. He did it. <laughs> we got we got that monkey off our back. Uh, all the jokes, they're they're gone. They're done. Kirby Smart did an unbelievable job of uh, of overcoming that loss to Alabama, that drubbing that we had to come back and and uh, and, and and beat Alabama to ride an unbelievable defense. But you did all of this with a backup former walk on quarterback. There's no way he can't get best all around. You know, looking at this right here, I'm I'm, a, I'm in agreement with you. I was I was more open to 
the entire program of Georgia, right? Um, you know, taking Kirby Smart, that's, you know, obviously that's the man that runs the program. But look, this team did it, right? This team did it. You know, Georgia as a program has been for 41 years. We, we've came close, but we never was able to get over the hump. This year, we were able to do that in dominating fashion. Outside of the SEC championship game, there was no question that Georgia was – Georgia was a top-two program with Bama for most of the year. There were some question marks with, with Bama at times. However, Georgia was the most dominant program in college football this year. There's no reason for me to believe that you, you have to consider Georgia as the best all around for the superlative. Um, while we sit here, uh, the brigade are welcoming, welcoming themselves. Apparently, Joel Sanders is listening from the dental chair. Holy cow. Uh, welcome to Neil Bishop. <laughs> oh, uh, look, I think this one was kind of self-explanatory. Uh, best all around. Juan, but we're going to bring up the most likely to succeed. I want to hear your thoughts on this. Uh, I'm, I'm going to go with uh, Texas A&M. I, I think that they're most likely to succeed. You've got Jimbo Fisher. He's got a top, uh, you know, the, the the top class. He's got about eight, eight, five stars. What he was able to do at Florida State. I mean, Florida State had, you know, had a had a drought for a very long time. Um, but, um, you, you know, for from what he was able to do, who he was able to get, they beat Alabama. Uh, they had some ups and downs, but um, I, I see them succeeding and doing some special things. Um, and, uh, you know, he, he's got the tools around him. Well, you took, you took my answer. So for <laughs> the sake of this discussion, I'm going somewhere different. I'm going right down to Coral Gables, Florida. You cannot tell me that the fact that Miami finally spent the money to assemble a staff with the likes of Charlie Strong, with Mario Cristobal, uh, Mirabal, you know, taking Jamal, uh, Jamal Adai from us, from Georgia. Yep. That staff is a, in my opinion, a great staff. Now, you look at what this means. Miami is going to be a problem and be a threat to Alabama and Georgia and all these other elite schools that think they can come into South Florida and poach kids out. They're going to be a problem. Coach Cristobal will shut that down to some degree. I'm not going to say 100%, but he's going to he is going to cause a barrier of entry into South Florida. Now, with that being said, the only question mark is putting it on the field and winning games. I think they won 7 games last year. In my opinion, I expect that number to jump. There's no reason why Miami should not succeed, especially if they have a a solid year 1. Expect them to be uh, in the running for ACC championships, things like that, almost instantly. Um, But right now, based off of paper, they have a really good shot at succeeding early. uh, And a lot of that is due to, you know, them spending the money uh, on that coaching staff. Right. That's a really good coaching staff. Yeah. Uh, So we're going to leave that there. We're going to jump into new kid on the block, Um, you know, and I'll, I'll go first on this one so that maybe it'll help drive the conversation. My new kid on the block superlative winner is Cincinnati. But Cincinnati finally makes a playoff, but they represent more than just the program. They represent the entire group of five. 
conferences, right? Making history, sitting there being the first group of five school to be in the playoffs. Now, while they got beat by Alabama in convincing fashion, I do believe that that right there is a testament to prove to anybody in all of college football that, hey, power five or group of five schools can get it done. Now, obviously, Cincinnati is about to be joining the Big 12, but you do see schools, you know, like Coastal Carolina. What does that mean for them? Right. There's other schools in the group of five that are legitimately good football programs that gives them that instills some hope. Right. And look, if you if you talk about the playoff expansion, which obviously will not happen uh, in the near future, I think it can happen. What, 2025 or something like that, probably uh, based off of that failed argument or in debate or whatever. It gives it gives group of five schools, every one of them hope. How much hope depends on the program, but at least it shows them it can be done. Yeah, I'm gonna go with um, I, I'm gonna go with Michigan. Um, Ooh. Michigan has not been relevant for a very, very long time. I like and, it. And and uh, you know, for them to all of a sudden be in the Final Four, and yeah, they got they got thumped by uh, they got thumped by Georgia. They did, but they are starting to to become um, in the forefront now. They just like Georgia had their their issues with Alabama and they couldn't get over the hump. They had those same issues with Ohio State. So they finally were able to uh, uh, get over that hump. Recruiting has been great. And then now they just signed. They, they, they kept uh, uh, Harbaugh from going to the NFL um, and they just signed him to a new deal. Um, I, I think now Michigan's going to start to make some noise. They had a pretty good recruiting class and they are um, – you know, they're the leader for a couple of great uh, 2023 guys and 2024 guys. So look for them to um, get back, you know, in, in, into the fold um, and, and, and be relevant again. So we're going to go back here for just a second, guys. I apologize. The brigade left us some comments. So look, like I said, the, Bro the Bones Brigade is our live chat. If you're not familiar with this and you're listening uh, you can tune in live. We, we read these comments as people uh, are come in. Uh, first off, Tanil, uh, A&M is always preseason pumped by the media. She's going to wait and see with them, and I cannot disagree with that by any means. Also, Patrick Oliver, I agree with Juan on Texas A&M on most likely to succeed. Key word here, Dark Horse is Oregon, though. And honestly, Oregon is a program that I think you know, you have what you have with, with Cristobal. Cristobal leaves to go to Miami, which obviously you heard me talk about. But also, look, Dan Lanning, I think, has has the resources at Oregon to keep that team on the same pedestal where they were, if not raise it, um, and keep their relevance in the SEC or the Pac-12, I mean, um, relevance in the Pac-12 and obviously on the threshold of winning Pac-12 championships. Um, you know, he's he's going to bring culture. He, he's going to bring culture to that group. And he's going to bring a different culture. Absolutely. Look, uh, obviously, from our time having Dan Lanning, we both know that he is an excellent players coach. So the kids are going to play hard for him. Uh, and honestly, he assembled a staff uh, with uh, Lapoy and Dillingham. Uh, honestly, I, in my opinion, I feel like that's a uh, that's a, a solid lineup as well. Uh, you know, looking at it, though, and they also for recruiting wise, I think there's a uh, five star quarterback, Nico. I'm not saying his last name. Um, you know, there's a good chance that he might end up at Oregon. And if that's the case, could you see, you know, I've been I've been hearing 
words about him potentially being the next Mariota. Uh, mm-hmm. And if that is the case, that is a that is a scary proposition uh, for college football. Uh, so, you know, Oregon, I think Patrick is 100 percent right here. Oregon's another team that could arguably be in that category uh, for most likely to succeed. Obviously, we jumped up a little bit here and, and kind of went to, uh, you know, kind of went on to new kid on a block here uh, prior to reading those comments. So we're going to go ahead and we're going to jump to the next category, and that is biggest drama king. Juan, I'm going to let you do this because I'm about to have some fun with this. <laughs> I, I, I mean, it, it, it's a couple of them. I, I mean, I could go, man, U, USC's um, – you know, man, let me see. Would I go you when I go USC? Would I go man oh man? I, I I'm gonna go. You know what? I'm gonna go USC's coach. Um oh! is that is that the one that you is that the one that you wanted? Yeah, Lincoln Riley, man, for you know uh, yeah, I, I could also go I could also go Nick Saban, man. It it's it's you know what? I'm, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go uh, Lincoln Riley, and, oh, and, and, and and here it is. He's sitting there. Here. I mean, absolutely, just you know, grabbing everybody from you know from from the transfer portal, claiming that you know he's not going out there stealing and 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 doing all this, and then wants to turn around and 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 then just kind of sanction the 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 transfer portal. Um, no, he's that's a, he's a mess, shit. man. He's a he's an absolute mess. I, I don't I don't care oh for him my God. My at all. Fans know exactly how I feel about Lincoln Riley. Exactly. You took my answer completely, and, and you kind of took some fun away. But I'm going to have some more fun here. Patrick Oliver is going to lead me into my candidate uh, candidate, and that is Lane Kiffin. All right, Lane Kiffin. Yeah. If you're not familiar with the Memphis mustard mustard bowl, hold my goodness, hold my beer, one. Yeah, <laughs> and look, the the refereeing or the officiating was kind of suspect. Look, let's be honest. That mustard situation put put the put the stamp of disapproval on an already down Tennessee program. Now, look at the time though, and I and I will give them some credit. Josh Heupel, as a first year head coach prior into that into the season, he's going to be a problem if he gets the guys in that he needs. But I'm not talking about their success. I'm talking about their fan base and how much of a clown act that shit was because you, you saw golf balls, <laughs> you saw mustard balls. Yeah. Look, did they get sponsorship with a mustard company? Somebody tell me, please. Yeah, maybe they should have gotten an NIL deal for <laughs> My for that. goodness, the whole yeah, that, fan base. Terrible. Give them free mustard for a season or something. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. But look, you know, obviously Lane Kiffin has been a source of drama wherever he goes. Uh, look, if you're not familiar with why Tennessee hates him, uh, he up and left him to go to none other than USC, USC yep. West uh, back in the day. So I'm just saying, uh, you know, to me, you know, look, Lincoln Riley is probably the best option, but if it's a it's a one A one B with Lane Kiffin right there. Yeah, yeah, um, you're right. <clears throat> Tanil, Tanil says, "Oh, you lows Riley like Tennessee lows Kiffin." Oh, the drama of it all. I'm in 100% agreement (laughs) to Neil. And Patrick says Tennessee gets discounts for buying mustard in bulk. I I, I agree with that. That's what I'm talking about, Pat, sir. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. This is – 
one, this is this is already fun, and I just feel like it's going to get better. Yeah. Because our next our next category is class clown. I get to do this first. I yeah, I know because I know exactly who you're. I know exactly who you're going with. <laughs> you know exactly who I'm about to go with. Hey, hey, look. If you're a Florida fan, you best believe Dan Mullen is my answer. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> get the bozo out of here, man. Florida finally had enough of Dan Mullen. Yes, he and Patrick, yes, Dan Mullen does still count because he coached last season. That is exactly why he is my main target right there. Just saying. <laughs> Look, let's be honest. Let's be honest. Just from a Georgia standpoint, just from a Georgia standpoint, it doesn't make sense to put an inexperienced quarterback making his first start. Against a historic Georgia defense, does it? <laughs> you finished sixth in the SEC, you poverty program. Thanks, Dan Mullen. Now, yeah. look, they have Billy Napier, and the verdict is out. It's, we're waiting to see. But you cannot tell me that a team that had SEC East title or SEC East division champs aspirations leading into the season and the fan and the fan base lets you know it to finish sixth. And one, if you don't remember, I have the receipt. I predicted them to finish fourth and they did it. They did even better than what I thought. They finished yeah. sixth. Six. They finished yeah. sixth. It, you just, you just love to see it. Don't you? You just love to see it. Oh man. Unbelievable. Bring, bring some Florida fans in here, man. Goodness. <laughs> Give us some let, let the swamp water crumb out, uh, come out of their eyes. I want to see it. Yeah. But enough, enough fun for me, Juan. I want to hear you. I want to hear your class clown. Yeah. Mine is Auburn's Brian Harson. Man, oh man. What a clown. So, so you go and it, it's weird. You've got an Idaho cheerleader, a Boise State cheerleader, who all of a sudden is now your assistant at Auburn. That's a little that's a little strange because I think that all all cheerleaders and all girls grow up in, in, in Idaho to want to go to Auburn, Alabama to become an assistant. Unbelievable. So so not only that, your wife is allegedly doing the wide receiver coach who actually has to leave. Your daughter is running through the athletic program and the Auburn basketball team, which is probably why they dropped a couple of those games is because they were probably worn out. Your entire family is just an absolute bozo clown show. I mean, it's just I mean, it is an absolute mess. And, that, and that's just probably what we know. There's no idea what we don't know. Um, but uh, I'd love for have to have somebody, you know, fill us in on on, on what's going on like you know, really, if, if, if you know anything additional, but man, oh man, Typical a, Auburn. absolutely. Just a, just a clown show. That's well, it. That is let's be honest. Auburn has turned into a basketball program. If yeah. anything in the matter of one year. Yep. In one year, they have turned into an, a basketball program. They have. And look, let's be honest here. Uh, Brian Harson, man, look, Coming from, you know, coming from Boise State, you know, what he did there, there, if there's one thing that's proven, he can develop because he turned her in from a three-star to a five-star, okay? Yes, he is. Now, actually, I don't know. She was already a five-star, I mean, if we're, if we're being honest. And well, look, so I'm she, she right 
you know, Harson can be called that one, but at the same time, I think you have to look at the damn entire Auburn booster, the entire boosters, because actively sitting there, and I'm going to add to this because I know exactly where you're coming from. You, your head coach is on vacation. While he is gone, you're obviously doing this investigation. You create a, a policy while he's on vacation saying that you can be fired for cause if you don't fully cooperate. If that's not shady as shit, I don't know what is. But then turn around and not find anything so that he sticks around as your head coach. But then you're, oh, hey, we love you, Brian. We love you when he comes to the basketball stadium. Well, I mean, it makes historically, no Auburn and their boosters have always been a dirty program. Historically, and when they had Tommy Tuberville and they were already interviewing guys to take his place and fire him. And then Tommy Tuberville ends up going undefeated that 2004 season. But they had already and it slipped out that they had already been interviewing coaches to take over for him that next year. I mean, they've always, always just just kind of been a just a underhanded, dirty program. Oh, look, Juan, I'm so glad you didn't go to Auburn. Because <laughs> our friendship would not be the same. I don't even right. know if we'd be friends. Right, right, exactly. However, I will say this. Keep doing you, Auburn, because you're still going to be at the bottom of the SEC East or West. Just yeah. saying. you got Auburn just Auburning. <laughs> Look, I'm going I'm to tell you this right now. I, I, you know, I hate Florida, but at least I have some respect for Florida. I hate Auburn, and I have no respect for Auburn. I, yeah. I just don't. Yep. I, I just don't. So Tanil says it must really, it must, it must be really uncomfortable for Harson to pass anyone in the athletic buildings. Look, you're probably right because those boosters, the longer those boosters keep their heads in their asses, the program is going to stay where it is. Auburn is keeping themselves from being a national powerhouse. And in all honesty, I have to say that. The, the boosters ran out the only coach that had somewhat some consistency and willing and understanding on how to beat Nick Saban. You ran him out. You, yeah. And now you sit there, you lose a ton of players in the transfer portal. Guess where they go? Where he just went, UCF. Yep. And it's some of your best players, by the way, too. You look like a clown show, a moving circus. And you deserve that distinction of being a class clown, along <laughs> with your best friends down in Gainesville. Yes, yes, yes. Clowns. With that being said, one, let's jump over to cutest couple. I'm gonna. You want to go first on this? Yeah, I'll let you. Go? I'll let you go. I'll let you go first. All right. Here's my cutest couple: Lincoln Riley and Oklahoma. <laughs> the whole fan base. All right. That's being a joke. But it's fun. It's hilarious. <laughs> I'm just saying. I wanted. I wanted to bring that in there just to just to have some fun and rip my Oklahoma fan base following. Just saying. But in all honesty, look. In all honesty, Oklahoma and Brent Venables, right? You know, looking at that right there, I think there's a really good potential for Oklahoma to not really regress that much. Obviously, you have Tebow, and my Oklahoma fans know exactly what that means. Tebow goes and poaches several programs for kids out of the portal 
Uh, and then he also says that, you know, there needs to be restrictions on the portal. Just saying it's bad for coaches and players. Uh, but n- neither here nor there one. Um, the fact that, you know, he keeps up with a, a, a decent recruiting class, for one. Um, but you also bring in an elite defensive mind. Uh, as a defensive coordinator for Clemson, there's no argument that he's a top three defensive coordinator uh, in the country, period, while he's at Clemson. Probably, you know, you can easily argue for being the top guy, right? Uh, because especially once Kirby Smart left for head coach at Georgia, there was no question to me that Brent Venables was the best D.C. Uh, with that being said, you bring a different culture and mentality. Look, let's be honest. He, or Brent Venables, I should say, Brent Venables coached at Oklahoma. So it's a homecoming for him. He knows what it takes to win under Stoops. They won titles. They won a title. They know what it takes. He is the guy, in my opinion, that I think was the perfect hire for Oklahoma. So while I made this joke about Tebow and Oklahoma, my actual answer, Brent Venables and Oklahoma. And I'm telling you right now, it would not surprise me to see them not only win the Big 12, but make the playoffs. Yeah, I like it. I like it. I'm, I'm going to go with uh, landing in Oregon. I mean, you know, just, just kind of what we talked about, and that was that was Patrick's dark horse. I think that was a great – you know, uh, uh, you know, a great choice, but you, you've got a, gr- a guy that's a great defensive mind, but you talked about, it. he's a player's coach. He's got ties with, with, uh, you know, with, with the South. And then of course he will have, um, you know, guys around him that are going to be able to recruit the West coast. And so who doesn't want to play for a guy that has a great formula, right? So he's, his, the, the stage is basically set up for him, just like Kirby, when Kirby left, a national championship Alabama team. He goes and grabs his team, and then he goes and builds a program and wins a national championship. I can see uh, Lanning doing that, um, being special. And and I tell you what, man, how crazy would it be if you see Lanning and Venables uh, in the Final Four playing against each other oh or just getting goodness. into the Final Four, <laughs> just making those predictions? That's not far-fetched. That is not you know, far-fetched. Strangely enough, I, I'm in a complete agreement with you on this because, look, you know, Oregon's schedule, obviously, Dan Lanning gets to play his old school, Georgia, yep. uh, September 3rd in the Benz, guys. So that's a, that is a very tall task for a first game as a new head coach. But it's still – look, even if, even if Oregon loses, I think if Oregon plays it close but loses and then takes care of business like I think they can and not slip up, because they have done that in the past. We saw it last year. There's no doubt that you can sit there. I think they overcome the Utah home from that they had last last season. I, you know, it wouldn't be surprising to see it, honestly. Uh, you know, and it's going to be the same thing with Venables in Oklahoma. Take care of business. You know what I mean? Take care of business. Because you have the resources there. Now, Oklahoma's a different scenario, in all honesty. Um, but at the same time, oh, my God. Patrick, I think this might be almost common of the day here. Yeah, that's great. That's great, yeah. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, that's fair. Oh, my goodness. That is fair. I'm not even mad about that, Patrick. I'm really Yeah, that's great. That is is great. That's a a two. You know, you got 1A, 1B with me, and then, look, you got a a solid two right there. Yeah, that's perfect. Now, look, let's be honest. They had a bad first date. All right, they had a bad first date, so you have to give it a second go around before we really know what kind of couple they're going to be. Um, 
sorry, but I'm not sorry either because Georgia tore your ass a new one. Yeah, they did. Um, anyways, next category. Life of the party. Juan, I'm going to let you take this first. Hmm. Let me see if I can think of of the life of the party. I mean, gosh, I got to go with. Um, I, I got to go with Lane Kiffin. Um, you know, Lane Kiffin kind of reminds you of that. You know, you're in that WWF old school WWF wrestling. You always had that bad guy that just ran his mouth and just talked so much and you wanted to see him get beat. But then you wanted to see him. Right beat people. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Lane Kiffin, Lane Kiffin is 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 that guy. Um, and, and, and I would, you know, you, you love to hate him. You absolutely, absolutely love to hate Lane Kiffin. And, you know, he is, he absolutely is. And if you let him win and beat you, he's going to let you know it. And if you beat him down, you know, he's just like, ah, oh, whatever. And he just, he just comes back. It's just like, he's the guy that you would say they take a lick and keep on ticking. He he's that guy. He's the life of the party for me. Here's my life of the party. Kirby Smart. Two examples. Two examples. Let me give you the first one because it's easier to deal with. National title, pick six. My man showed why he was a safety at Georgia. My man can still go out there and put the pads on the play. All yeah. right? Yeah. That, yeah. that vertical was about as infamous as the damn pick six itself. <laughs> but for, but mainly, right, my, my biggest, biggest reason why he's a life of the party while we played it time and time again this season, my man, that cocktail party halftime speech. Yeah. Physically, physically break them bitches. Yep. Yep. That right there, I don't care what anybody says, nothing. That right there shows me my man came to my man came to go. Yeah. Oh, he yeah. Came to, he came to, he was, he, well, this was basically business for him, but he, he made it personal. But that's a life of the party because he was just so energetic and, and things like that and so passionate about it. Give me that. Give me that man at a party. If if he thinks there's a business and we're at a party, yo, we about to have some fun. <laughs> yeah, we about to have some fun with that. Anyways, moving on. Last one. Teachers pet. Do you want me to do this one, or do you want to go first, Warren? I'll I'll let you go first on this one. Notre Dame. Notre Dame. Here, bring that ass here. Let's go. You sit here, Notre Dame always get this preferential treatment but you still show me year in and year out why you do not deserve to be in the title in the playoff contention you just don't you stay in the top 10 but you're not really a top 10 school everybody hates you you sit there you take up a damn top 10 spot because when we saw what happens when you actually did make the playoffs you got your ass beat you got shut out you suck all right now that Brian Kelly's gone, maybe things change. But until further notice, Notre Dame, get the hell out of my classroom, you damn teacher's pet. Juan, what's your answer? Before I do that, I'm 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 saying that Joel is in the in the in the dental chair. She's probably getting some fillings uh, taken care of. So, uh, Brigade, just wanted to let you guys know: brush your teeth. That's that's the biggest that that's the biggest takeaway from. From that hygiene lessons in a podcast form. In a podcast, yes, yes, man. We we're all around. We 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 take care of it all around. My teacher's pet is Alabama. It is Alabama. It is Alabama. Because if Alabama would have lost to Georgia, 
in a close game in the SEC championship, who do you think would have been in the final four? There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it with two losses. If Alabama would have lost to Auburn and they had two losses, but then turned around and beat Georgia in the SEC championship, who do you think would have been in the final four? Alabama. Notre and Dame won. Notre Dame would have been in. Well, I always get this treatment. But 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 that would have been a that would have been a tough one. That honestly, that they would have really, really struggled with that one. But I do. I think Alabama's the teacher's pet. I mean, they want Alabama. I think Alabama is a bigger draw. It gets the money in. People want to see it. People want to see them lose. Um, but I do. I just think that they're they're uh teacher's pet. Look, i and listen, last year. Georgia and Alabama were, in my opinion, are like the two top teams, and it wasn't even close. But the logic of having a two-loss team being in the college football playoff just just doesn't seem right right now. If you do, obviously, if you expand the playoffs, you're going to see that at some point, right? But as it stands right now with four, you know, you look at what A and M was fifth, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. A and M beat Alabama. And they only had one loss. They just didn't play in the SEC title game. Alab or AM would have. No, been I think I think I think AM had two losses. I think they lost to. Oh, they did. I think they right. lost to they Arkansas. That's right. Yeah, yeah. That's right. They did because I think it was I forgot who it was. Uh, maybe in Oklahoma or something. I don't know. But that fifth team, the fifth place team, and yeah. I think it was AM. Yeah. If I'm not mistaken. It, it may have been it. Well, it, before the Big Twelve championship, it was Oklahoma State. Yes. That's right. That's and then right. they ended up losing to Baylor. State, it looked like a good team out of the Big 12, to be yep. honest. Yep. Yep. So, look, you know, just this is how crazy the season was. Like, it was hard to find a top four. Yep. It really was. Like, you know, you had Michigan that beat Ohio State. And look, Michigan earned that right to be in the college football playoffs. Patrick, you're right. That cute couple did, made, it made sense. But after that, though, you know, it only made sense for Cincinnati to be in there. It really yeah. did because they handled business and they did what they had to do. But to me, it seemed as if people didn't want Cincinnati in there to begin with and, yeah. and having an unblemished record, beating Notre Dame in Notre Dame. And you can look at the score, but the score tells you one thing. The actual watching the game showed you that Notre Dame got their ass whipped at home. Yeah, they did. They, they, they just don't have They just don't have the appeal. And that's just that that's unfortunate for a Cincinnati team. I mean, it, you sit there and think about the Cincinnati Bearcats and you just don't associate them with a top four or, you know, a, a team that's going to be you know vying for a championship. No, no. I mean, no doubt. Like this year was a perfect it was the perfect time for a group of five to make history it, because let's be honest, ACC down. Right. Clemson three loss team. Nobody really expected them. To, you know, the offense was just not that great. Um, you know, looking at the Big Ten, everybody was expecting Ohio State to get beat by Oregon. You know, then you slip up and lose to Michigan, right? You're done. Uh, Oklahoma, but before the Caleb Williams switch, uh, you know, it was just rough, right? Yeah, yeah. But that being said, though, guys, these are your superlatives. Listen, let us know what you think about that, right? If you watch it later, feel free to hop in the comments because we can still see them even after this show goes off live. So let us know. Hit us up on social media. Feel free to let us know what we think. Are we wrong? Did we make a stupid take? I don't care. Let us know. <laughs> With that being said, though, Juan, it was a pleasure doing these uh, superlatives. I think it was much needed. Yes, sir. A lot of fun. And look, Monday, guys, listen, Georgia fans, 
we just we're going through some were some changes here, a couple of decommitments. Uh, Ken Lee and uh, the cousin of uh, Dequavia Sori both com- uh, decommitted recently. So Monday, we're probably going to talk about that and the impact of what's going on. Uh, with that note, though, one, listen, have a great weekend. Everybody, have a great weekend. Go dogs! Thanks for listening to the DGD Podcast. Make sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and to the DGD Podcast YouTube channel, where you can watch live Mondays and Fridays at noon Eastern. And don't forget to follow us on Twitter at the DGD Podcast. And check out the website at www.dgdpodcast.com.